1: Joining us now is Fox News legal analyst, uh, the great attorney, Greg Jarrett. Greg, uh, first of all, your reaction, it only took the jury three hours. This case has, I think, the whole country's been watching it uh, because he took the stand in his own defense.
0: Yeah, I mean, what took them so long? Three hours? It should have been a five-minute decision. Uh, as As I wrote in a column a week ago, the evidence against him was overwhelming. Uh, And, you know, he decided to take the witness stand. It was sort of a Hail Mary pass. Uh, You know, he thought he could con maybe one gullible, naive uh, juror with yet more of his lies. And, you know, his problem is he had zero credibility. And within minutes, he destroyed his own flimsy alibi by admitting, you know, that he lied to authorities authorities about his whereabouts. The night, uh, you know, his wife and son were brutally murdered by him. He told police and everybody would listen that he was sleeping on the couch. He repeated it over and over again for the last 20 months. Then suddenly, when faced with the cell phone video that shows him at the scene of the crime, literally three or four minutes before the murderers, he was forced to recant it on the stand and say, okay, you got me. I've been lying. Uh, And, yeah, I lied uh, and swindled and stole $9 million from my colleagues, my law firm, my clients, my friends. Um, I'm a big, fat liar, but now I want you to believe me. Well, you know, in the real world, Rita, that doesn't work so well. And it certainly did not work well here.
1: And, you know, Greg Jarrett, it was interesting. Just like you said, and when he got on the stand, I was watching his testimony He said, I'm a liar, basically. He admitted that he had lied because in this case, as you point out, uh, it was on the Snapchat that his son had. So it was social media, uh, basically, on the iPhone. He didn't know it was there. You could hear his voice in the background. It got caught for being in the background. But then he said, oh, I lied about businesses. Yeah, I robbed this person. I stole this from one of my employees. I stole this from my boss. Um, I'm a drug addict. But he said, I am not a murderer. And there were still people today when it went to the jury, and you know this, Greg, who thought, will this guy maybe get off? Even though, like you and I, if I was on the jury, I agree with you, it would have been three minutes, not three hours. But there was a chance people thought that because of who he is, he's a well known attorney, and he used some interesting verbiage on the stand, like, I didn't intentionally do this. I did, like, you could, like, talking like an attorney. Um, right. And he was compelling at certain points. People thought, Even though the evidence I agree with you looked overwhelming, there was a fear he might walk.
0: Yeah, I didn't buy his act on the witness stand for for one minute. Uh, But I will say I was amazed to watch on television, you know, a a whole bunch of uh, lawyers and legal experts who said, oh, you know, this case has reasonable doubt written all over it because, you know, it's a circumstantial case. Uh, it's not, there's no direct evidence, no eyewitnesses. You know, that word circumstantial gets a bad rap. I take a strong circumstantial case over uh, eyewitnesses any day of the week. Why? Because uh, eyewitnesses tend to lie or make mistakes. They're fallible human beings. They misperceive, you know. Lawyers are fond of saying if if you have an automobile accident with 20 witnesses, you're going to get 20 different versions of what people claim they saw. Uh, whereas uh, strong circumstantial evidence like a cell phone video that places the accused at the scene of the crimes at the time of the murders. I mean, that's pretty much incontrovertible. Cell phone videos really don't lie. And, it you know, this was a high tech case, I will say, because. Wasn't just that; it was, for example, the navigation system in his you know SUV when he pulled up and called 911. Uh, Twenty seconds elapsed uh, between the time he turned off the engine and the time he called 911. And Getty told police, "Oh, I, I got out of the vehicle. I went over to the bodies. I, I first I checked my wife and 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 touched her, and and then I went over to my son." son's body, and I tried to turn him over, and his cell phone fell out, and I, I put his cell phone back in. And yet, well, first of all, you can't do that in 20 seconds. That's just completely impossible. So that made no sense. And and second of all, there there's no blood on him. I mean, they, they were lying in pools of blood. There would be blood on his shoes, and if he's touching bloody bodies, blood-soaked bodies, there'd be blood on his hands and probably on his clothing, and yet he was clean as a Pounds so you know. And then he he lured the victims to the property that day. Said said uh, people who testified, two uh, other people said he tried to get me to lie and change my story to conform with his. You know, th- this is a guy who has a reputation as a bully. Uh, a judge came up to me. Uh, I, I live here in South Carolina. A judge came up to me. Said he's former judge former prosecutor, He said, I've known Alec Murdoch for decades. He's always been a miserable, awful human being. And I think the jurors in the end reached the same inexorable conclusion.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Greg, Jared, I know you got a busy night. I am so thankful that you're here on the Rita Cosby Show with this big breaking news, my friend. Great to get your analysis. Thank you so much.
0: My pleasure, Rita. Take care.